What's going on? And welcome into a special edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson, alongside my partner in crime, Jim Eichenhofer of Pelicans.com. We took a couple of weeks off to kind of relax, take a breather, and now we're back at it as tonight the NBA draft lottery is here on ESPN at 7.30 p.m. And hopefully this is the last time the Pelicans are in the lottery unless it's from a trade with another team. Um, but, Jim, here we go tonight. Uh, the Pelicans uh, holding on right now as far as the best odds to get the number 10 pick. But uh, the lottery gods have graced us a couple times before, and maybe they'll do so again. Yeah, I, I think there's some teams throughout the NBA that complain a lot about how they never have any lottery fortune. The Pelicans are definitely not among that group, having won it in 2012 and 2019. So it's interesting. One of the things that you just said kind of occurred to me that of course we would prefer to not be in the lottery in future years. But if we are in the lottery based on other teams' misfortune, we definitely would be very pleased with that. So hopefully this is the last time that we're previewing, previewing the lottery, but maybe, maybe not. Maybe we'll be able to uh, return to the lottery sometime in the, in the future, but not because the Pelicans are having a rough season, but because of other teams. Between the Anthony Davis trade with those picks with the Lakers, as next year the Lakers pick becomes unprotected, then you have the Milwaukee Bucks picks, and those picks are more so later on in the future. But at the same time, again, like you mentioned, you never know when those picks are going to be conveyed or used. And you're right, maybe next year you are in the lottery, uh, but for a different reason. But this year, um, it didn't go our way to start things off. When we talk about that, it's the three-way tie between – the Bulls, the Kings, and the Pelicans, as far as 8, 9, and 10 is concerned, the worst-case scenario for the Pelicans was that they lost a coin flip and are dropped the 10th. Um, but, Jim, if you can explain this, it, it seems like from look what I'm looking at, the, the odds are the same for each team heading into tonight. I think it's more of if the Pelicans don't move anywhere that they would stay at 10, correct? Yeah. I mean, if they if they don't aren't, aren't bounced by anybody, then they'll – they'll stay 10th if they, if any of the teams that have even less odds than they do of moving up, move into the top four, then they'll potentially pick 11th or 12th. I notice on the chart, it's interesting. The, the 13th, the chances of the Pelicans picking 13th and 14th are described as greater than 0.0%. So let's hope that that doesn't happen. My math isn't good enough to know exactly what that means, but obviously it's something to the effect of a very minuscule chance that, you know, three or four teams could jump them in the lottery and, and move up that far. So, so that's, uh, that's part of what we're looking at. You know, one, one random note I, I thought of as well is um, you mentioned the losing the kind of the tiebreaker, the, the lottery, the pre-lottery drawing where they were tied with uh, Chicago and Sacramento finishing with the same record. It's interesting in 2012 and 2019, the Pelicans were in a, a tiebreaker situation as well, where they finished with the same record as other teams in 2012, they they won that they lost that that drawing. In 2019, they won it. I think it was against Memphis and Dallas. So, not sure what that means. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, it means a lot. But just a just kind of a coincidence that it's a repeat of the two times that they have won it in recent years. Yeah, for those watching tonight, um, when you want to look out for is when it comes to the tenth pick, you don't want to see your name pop up. So, unlike other things, when you're like, oh, you want to see the Pelicans' name pop up. But if you get the 10 and New Orleans name is not there, that means they've automatically moved into the top four. But you mentioned the odds of a little greater than 0% chance. That would mean Charlotte, San Antonio, Indiana, and Golden State. 
would have to jump the Pelicans in order to move back all the way to the 14th pick, which I don't think will happen. But at the same time, Jim, going back to the last couple of years when this new format was developed by the NBA, there have been a couple of teams that have jumped from whether it's the 10th spot, the 11th spot, or like the Pelicans were the seventh, had the seventh best chances of getting the number one pick when it came to Zion Williamson and moved all the way up to number one. So when you think about these teams and chances of getting in, I mean, you can't, you can't put it past us that something like that could happen again based on the, the first couple of uh, years with this new lottery system. Sure. I mean, it, it's, it's unlikely, but it's not completely remote. I mean, if you add up, for example, the odds of Charlotte, San Antonio, Indiana, and Golden State, if you add up those four teams' odds of getting the number one pick, for example, it's right around, I think, four or 5% if you, you combine those. So, I mean, that's not like it's, you know, a one in a million type thing, obviously. So, I mean, it, it's definitely something that can happen. I remember going back to 2019, we didn't know it at the time, but the Lakers jumped, I think, from like the 10 or 11 pre-lottery slot. They had very a very small chance to um, moving into the, you know, the top four. They finished fourth. So, and them having that fourth pick made it a lot more feasible for them to make the trade that they made with the Pelicans that involved Anthony Davis. So, um, it's definitely something that's happened recently and can have a massive effect on the draft board. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the Grizzlies move up in that one as well? Weren't they a double digits or weren't they behind the Pelicans in those odds and end up going number two with John Moran? I don't remember exactly what slot they were, but I believe in the 2018-19 season, I'm looking this up right now. Yeah, they actually finished with exactly the same record as the Pelicans. They were both, both teams were 33 and 49. And so they were part of that drawing that I referenced where the Pelicans moved up. So um, I think there were one slot or two slots behind the Pelicans going into that lottery. So, yeah. That was a that was a pretty wild outcome. I think a lot of people were happy in New Orleans and a lot of people were very angry in, in other cities because of the fact that, you know, the, the records, the season ending records that season didn't correspond to how teams finished in the lottery almost across the board. So uh, I guess we should hope that that happens again tonight. Yeah, I think the New York Knicks were one of those teams that were very disappointed, of course, uh, wanting in on the Zion Williamson sweepstakes. But that means three of the teams outside of the top four jumped in so when we talk about the odds and tonight the pelicans just like chicago and sacramento four and a half percent chance at the number one pick 4.8 percent at number two 5.2 at number three and 5.7 at number four and then as jim mentioned the most likely uh result will be at number 10 60.6 chance and it drops back after 11 12 13 14 so it's either going to be in the top four or it's going to be number 10, 11, 12, 13, or 14, and hopefully it doesn't go anywhere uh, beyond 10. Um, let's talk about what it means for other teams, Jim, because it's not only the Pelicans that – I guess they don't really have any implications besides what number they will be. But if you look at one of the teams that they're tied with, Chicago, their pick will be determined by where they land thanks to the Zach Levine – not Zach Levine, the Nikola Vucevic trade that sent him to Chicago – and then the other team to keep an eye out for is Golden State because they're another team due to Minnesota and their trade for Andrew Wiggins. That could be a team that could have multiple picks in the first round, and same goes for Orlando. So not only tonight is big for the Pelicans, but those are two teams that could really benefit from the ping pong ball. And also Houston um, goes in with the number one pre-lottery slot. They have just over a 50% chance of keeping their pick, but they have a 48% chance of finishing fifth in the lottery. And if they do finish fifth, that pick would be conveyed to Oklahoma City. So, I mean, Oklahoma City has a has a 
a better than average chance or, or slightly kind of a 50, 50 chance of maybe even having two picks in the top part of the draft. So, I mean, that could be a huge boost for them as well. Um, I know a lot of people are, are focusing on, on that, but I mean, there's some extreme ramifications in the Western conference, obviously with the teams that we just mentioned in terms of what could happen. I mean, I think people for months now, maybe even going back to the moment the last year's draft ended, started pointing at the 2021 draft lottery as something that would have huge consequences, but mostly because of the trades that have been, that have taken place where you have teams, you know, with lottery protected picks. I think it's funny though, to think back to when Houston did that trade with Oklahoma city, I don't think people, anyone thought Houston would have the worst record in the league or have, you know, obviously losing James Harden was, was a, was a big blow, but I mean, the fact that they kind of, spiraled down to the bottom of the standings was a surprise. And so now here they are in a situation where they have to be very nervous that they could lose that pick altogether. I can't imagine how tense I would be if I was with a team or covering a team today that could go from either a top four pick or not having a first round pick at all, which is what, you know, Houston and and Minnesota are facing. So there's a lot of people biting their fingernails and pacing around the building, I'm sure, today in uh, Toyota Center and Target Center. You know what's crazy about Houston's pick, Jim, is it's Oklahoma City has the right to swap. It's Miami's own first-round pick for Houston's own first-round pick if Houston is out of the top five. So it's not only that Houston-Oklahoma City will swap because Oklahoma City has the fourth-best odds of getting number one pick. It's actually Miami's pick, and Miami is obviously not in the lottery this year um, because they made the playoffs. So – it's not only going to be a dramatic, oh, Houston and Oklahoma City swap one and four. It's going to be Oklahoma City jumps to number one. They also, and then uh, Houston will get Miami's pick after the lottery. I think what I'm reading right here is, so I think Houston is going to drop dramatically if they get out of that top five, which could be really scary for them. I, and I'm I'm totally confused again, but that's okay. Now I hear you. So basically Houston, Houston will have a first round pick. So I, I, I'm glad you clarified that they will have a first round pick, but it could drop to the point where it's out of the lottery instead of being, you know, in the top, top four right now. I'll read it again, just because I think it's important for listeners to kind of grasp what's at stake here, especially when they see these things pop up. It says Oklahoma city has the right to swap Miami's own first round draft pick for Houston's own first round draft pick. If Houston's own first round pick is not among the first four, which I think also means that because Oklahoma City has the rights to Miami's first-round pick, I'm guessing, does that mean Oklahoma City will keep their top-four pick and get Houston's pick? Uh, because Oklahoma City is in the lottery as well. See, that's where I get confused. But that's where that's what I think I'm reading seems to be the case, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, the chart that we have says that Houston has a 47.9% chance of finishing fifth in the lottery. So I guess we'll we'll go from there. Yeah. Absolutely. We don't have to delve too much into this, but um, before we go here, we talk about the number 10 pick. Um, There have been a couple of number 10 picks overall. The Pelicans last time they had the number 10 pick was in that 2012 draft when they got Anthony Davis. And that 10th pick was courtesy of the Minnesota Timberwolves where the Pelicans drafting Austin Rivers. They've had the 10th pick before, but have been conveyed to other teams as part of other trades. But we look at the history. I think the most recent pick, of 2018 was Mikel Bridges, who you're seeing in the NBA playoffs here for the Phoenix Suns, but guys like Paul Pierce and Paul George have been picked number 10 as well. So there are Jim, some, some talent there at number 10. Um, but what have you been reading these draft previews and trying to gauge what the Pelicans might do 
around the 10th pick based on mock drafts and what you're reading. What's the depth of the draft look like as of now before the combine begin? Well, basically, I've been looking at a lot of the mock drafts. I haven't read too much in depth into the previews overall. I think most of the analysts and most of the coverage doesn't really get overly specific until after tonight, after the lottery takes place, just because there's only so much speculation you can do when you don't even know where each team is picking. But I would say in general, um, most of the mock drafts have the same four guys pick one through four. And then a lot of them have, have um, Jonathan Kaminga as the fifth pick. So there seems to be a general consensus and agreement on the top, say four or five guys. So obviously what's interesting about that is it corresponds to the way that the NBA does the draft lottery, where you can basically, you can win a spot from one through four tonight. And then after that, it's ordered by, by your team's record. So, but I, I think after the fifth spot, it does seem like there's not a lot of necessarily agreement on who should be picked when, or the order, or even some of the big boards that people put out. So I would say from what I've seen, and again, I'm not a draft expert by any means, but it seems like it's possible that you could get somebody at 10 that another team values as, you know, the sixth or seventh best player. And uh, even going further into the middle part of the first round, I think there's a lot of uncertainty about, about those guys. So, I mean, to me, I go into the draft lottery tonight thinking that, I mean, somewhat obvious that if the Pelicans finish in the top four, to me, it's a massive victory. And regardless of, even if it's fourth, this isn't a year like 2019 where people said, you know, the Knicks, like, like you mentioned, they finished third in that lottery and they were disappointed. This isn't that type of type of year, I don't think, by any means. Um, I think any of the teams that are picking in the top four will be happy. I mean, there might be a team like Houston or Detroit or Orlando that will be disappointed if they pick, say, fourth. They'll be a little bit disappointed because they didn't get the one or two pick with coming off the season that they had. But I think for a team like New Orleans, um, if you can finish in the top four, it's a it's a great plot positive and a huge plus for the offseason. But even if you if you don't and you finish 10th and you don't move off of that spot, that's not bad either, because based on what I what I've seen so far about people's opinions of this class, there may, maybe there isn't that much of a difference between picking, you know, seven, eight, nine or ten based on the opinions. Obviously, we know that draft combines coming up later this week and things change drastically over time. Um, Lillard, I think was an eighth pick, for example, um, in the same year that Anthony Davis was drafted and uh, opinions of him went through the roof, basically as you got closer to the draft and that kind of thing happens. But as of on June 22nd, um, I think the Pelicans should be, they're not gonna be happy if they finish 10th in the lottery, but it's, it's not bad. It's not the end of the world. You still have a chance to, add a really good player or use it as an asset in, in some kind of other trade. Well, looking uh, before we wrap things up here, uh, I wanted to talk, touch on the NBA playoffs because uh, you and I have been texting a lot and chatting about this year's playoffs. And we both, I think, agree how exciting these playoffs are. <clears throat> but when it refers to the draft lottery, there are two teams that are in their respected conference finals that were in the lottery last year, the Phoenix Suns, who did pick Jalen Smith at number 10, ironically, and the Atlanta Hawks, who picked Onyeko Kongu at number six. And these are two teams that went from lottery teams to conference final teams. So 
in the grand scheme of things, when you're talking about where the Pelicans are at, I'm not saying that they're going to be able to make a leap like those two teams are because obviously the Phoenix Suns were able to get Chris Paul last year and the Atlanta Hawks were able to grab a ton of talent when it comes to Bogdanovich and Danilo Gallinari and at the time had Rajon Rondo and also made a, a coaching change. But Jim, there is a little bit of hope, I think, by seeing those two teams in the lottery that with the right balance of picks and potentially even using that pick to acquire talent that's already more NBA ready or veterans of the league that you never know what can happen. I think that's what made has made these playoffs so special in my opinion. I've loved the playoffs this year. I mean, this has been maybe the most fun playoffs one I've enjoyed the most over the last, I don't know, 20 years or so. I mean, just the surprises that have happened um, the teams that, as you mentioned, have kind of come out of nowhere, at least based on what they did last season. Um, Phoenix, as everyone knows, had an incredible run during the bubble and just missed out on making the playoffs. Really, it was up to another game. I think if I think it was Brooklyn versus Portland. If Brooklyn had won that game, it, it was a one-possession game, then Phoenix would have been in. But for a team to not make the playoffs and go to the conference finals, and then Atlanta didn't even get invited to the bubble, which is incredible if you think yeah. about it. But they weren't even – they were one of the eight teams that were deemed, you know, too far out of it to even bother having them go to Orlando. For them, the next season to be in the Eastern Conference Finals is pretty amazing. You know, one another thing, too, that I didn't, hadn't really thought about until you mentioned it, um, the two teams that – those two teams didn't really get a huge boost from the draft lottery either, right. which makes it which makes it even more impressive, I think, that they've gone gotten this far. Jalen Smith really hasn't been part of the rotation for Phoenix. And O'Connell has had some good moments in the playoffs, but he you can't say that he was a huge difference maker this year. He's kind of a – guy that's going to develop over time and kind of a project as a, a big guy who maybe just needs, needs more experience on the court, but has a lot of the tools and, and, you know, background. And that, that was one of the reasons why they were so high on him and a lot of teams were, but, um, but it, it, I think it's great for the NBA though, that, that um, you can see some of the parody. I feel like we see this in the NFL all the time where there's some stat, I can't recall it off the top of my head about how there's something like four new playoff teams every year at least four teams that didn't make it the previous year. And it's very common that we see a team in the NFL go seven and nine. And then the next year they're in the Super Bowl or in the conference championship game. So um, that part I think is great. Um, the, the postseason this year, I mean, it's been other than the exception of the Clippers who don't fit any of these categories, but um, it's been a terrible playoffs for super teams. It's been a bad year for big markets and it's a, been a, been a rough, playoffs as well for kind of the established stars. So I love the fact that, for example, Devin Booker and Trey Young have kind of carved out a spot as kind of the next wave of star players. Funny random note, I saw a kid, I think he was high school, maybe early college age yesterday, wearing a Devin Booker, the Valley jersey, which <laughs> absolutely stunned me that I saw that. And I thought that was really cool just to see that uh, you're starting to see some of the new younger guys come into the league. Um, there's been other player, younger players that have made a huge impact on this, on these playoffs, including Luka Doncic and some other guys that maybe their teams didn't go, go as far as Atlanta and Phoenix have. But that part is great because eventually, as we've talked about before, the guys who've been stars and the, the big names in the league for the last 10 plus years, eventually they will retire. And so you have to replace them with, with new guys. And so, um, I see what's happened these last few weeks as being great for, for the future of the NBA. And I, I would, I would guess you agree based on the 
reaction that you've seen on Twitter and social media. But for me, I've seen no, almost across the board people from New Orleans and Pelicans fans say that they've really enjoyed the playoffs just because some of the smaller market teams have done so well. Um, Utah was another team that I know people are, people were criticizing them because they got knocked out in the second round, but they won they had the best record in the league and they play in Salt Lake yeah. city. So um, there's been a lot of good developments this year. If, uh, if, if Utah had beaten the Clippers, it would have really been a case of four teams in the conference finals, all representing, you know, mid, mid major markets or smaller markets. So it's been a lot of fun and I'm really looking forward to these next couple rounds just to see what happens. And, the fact that also that no none of the t- remaining teams has won an NBA championship since the 70s, and both Western Conference teams have never won a championship, and one of them's never even been in the finals. I think that that part is really cool, and it's made it a lot of fun and lo- and really interesting to watch. Yeah, this is the first appearance in the conference finals for the Los Angeles Clippers, get alone the NBA yeah. finals. But I completely agree, and I think a narrative that has been going on, which I don't understand, and we've harped on this before, and we can go on another. 20 minutes on this is the narrative of oh the no one's going to watch these NBA finals if it's Milwaukee versus Phoenix or Atlanta versus Phoenix like you always need a big market team and it's like why does everyone care so much about the NBA ratings besides the people that are paying advertisements or the networks that are paying all this money if you're not one of those people if you're just an NBA fan you shouldn't be worrying about what the ratings are going to look like and I agree with you in the sense that when I was looking at the past 10 years of which teams have made it to the conference finals and you see a team with the same logo on there five different times with the Warriors, the Spurs, the Heat, you've seen the Lakers on it a couple of times. Isn't it a breath of fresh air when you're seeing some of the younger stars and different teams have a chance to win it all? You mentioned Milwaukee, I don't think has won it since 1971. The last time the Hawks won it was when they were in the ABA in 1958 in St. Louis and the Phoenix Suns haven't sniffed the finals since the early 90s with Charles Barkley, and you mm. mentioned the Clippers. So one of those teams is going to win a championship for the first time in a long time or a, a first time ever. And I think when you're seeing guys like Devin Booker and Trey Young, these are the guys that you might be seeing in these playoffs for years to come. And you might be saying, oh, you know, we're moving over LeBron James and Steph Curry, and I know those guys still have some time left, and it's not like they're going anywhere. But you're going to start to get used to some of these guys – they're going to be in there for the long haul. You're probably going to see Giannis in there for a while. You're going to see guys like Devin Booker. You're going to see guys like Trey Young, Luka Doncic, and hopefully Zion Williamson. And I just think it's really good for the NBA to have a year like this where you really don't know who's going to win it all. And any of the matchups you'll see, they're going to be like, okay, whether it's, wow, I can't believe the Hawks have gone from not making the bubble to making the NBA finals or a team like the Suns who were 8-0 in the bubble and got – and Monty Williams leads away, and it took Chris Paul coming over to make such a big difference, and yet they might go up 2-0 tonight without Chris Paul. And so that's what I think is most impressive. And so I'm with you, Jim, and I can brand on this forever, that I think these playoffs have been so good for the NBA, and I think it might draw even more fans for different teams come next year. You know, you bring up a good question as well in terms of why are people so obsessed with the NBA, specifically TV ratings? And I think it's not something that – you can just say has it been the case for the last couple of years. Really, to me, it's always been that way going back 20, 30 years where people are obsessed and people always say like, oh man, the league's going to be disappointed because Milwaukee and Phoenix could be the NBA finals. But it doesn't seem like you ever hear that in other sports. I don't understand why, for example, in baseball, I mean, I, I think there probably is some talk, but it's so much less than it is in the NBA 
in terms of like who's in the World Series and how that how that's going to impact the sport. So I don't know why that is, why people are so obsessed with market size and the, even the stylistics of, of who's playing in basketball compared to other sports. Um, but, you know, one, one example, quick thing too, uh, Miami and the Lakers were in the finals last year. And it was, I guess you could say that, you know, obviously LA is a huge market. Miami's mm-hmm. a pretty big market. And those are kind of quote unquote marquee franchises, but the ratings of the finals last year were terrible. And I don't think that I don't think people found that matchup to be compelling at all. And for like the really diehard basketball fans, I don't think a lot of people, if anyone was really that excited about watching those games. I mean, some of it was probably the lack of competitiveness after game one. It just felt like it was inevitable that the Lakers were going to win. But um, hopefully, regardless of the matchup this year, people can appreciate really good basketball. And, you know, just for example, if it is. Um, the Suns and the Bucks. The fact that Giannis has made it to the finals after he stayed in Milwaukee, I think, is great. Um, the fact that Booker has gone through as much adversity and and honestly losing in in Phoenix the way he has, and to be able to get to that point, and even you know if Atlanta makes it with Trey Young, that making the finals I think brings you up a few levels in terms of stardom, no, no matter what your situation is. So I think that that's good and. Um, I hope to see more people just respect the fact that we don't need to have franchise X has to be in the playoffs or has to be in the finals. I mean, obviously the Lakers got knocked out in the first round and people, the TV ratings uh, maniacs were panicking about that. But in, instead we've had an, what I think has been a great postseason and a lot of good series. The second round, what was it? Three series that went to seven or two, yeah. two series that went to seven and another that went to six. And the only one that didn't go deep, well, I think a lot of that was you could factor in the fact that Denver had so many injuries. So it's been it's been a, a great playoff so far. Yeah, if you're just a fan of basketball, I mean, the, the competition's been great. I think that's what you want. I think people have complained in past years that we've seen so many sweeps in the first couple of rounds and it hasn't been really competitive. And now you're like, you got to tune in all game because you've seen even the Clippers and their clinching game to go to the finals. They were down 18 at the half to the Utah Jazz and came all the way back to win. So it's not like you can just turn off the TV at halftime and go, this one's over. I think, and plus having fans back in has added so much more to watching these games. I think it's been no doubt. really exciting. And to go back to your point as far as ratings real quick, I don't think anyone complained when the Kansas City Chiefs have been in the in the Super Bowl the last couple of years. When you talk about market size, and even Tampa, I know they have Tom Brady, but it does not phase anyone in the Super Bowl like, oh, wow. Kansas City can't make it because that's going to be rough for for viewers. It's the most mm-hmm. watched television event of the year, so I think people are going to watch no matter what. And I think it's a good sign for the league that this is happening. So, um, but tonight is the big thing: the NBA draft lottery, seven thirty p.m. Central on ESPN, ahead of Clippers and Suns game number two, and then hopefully the Pelicans. Whether they stay at ten, that'd be the goal. As far as if they don't get in the top four, but getting in the top four would certainly be nice. And again, you can have, find all the work from Jim on pelicans.com, the Pelicans mobile app, as he has you ready for tonight and how to watch. But again, it's very simple. When it gets to the number 10 pick, if the Pelicans' little card is not being held up, that's a very good sign. That means they have moved into the top four. Then they'll go to commercial break and let you sweat for a few more minutes and then find out if you have the number one pick. I remember when Zion Williamson or the Pelicans got the number one pick a couple years ago and it was fantastic. Jim, any lucky underwear, lucky ping pong ball? Maybe you shouldn't discuss if you have lucky underwear on today. <laughs> anything superstitious you have on for, I, for tonight? 
I gotta find my uh, my Phillies underwear that I can wear for this. Yeah. I uh, I just had trash. To, I just had to throw that in there just to reference previous podcasts, but but no, I, uh, I I'm not very superstitious, and honestly, if you think about it, I'm not superstitious, and it's worked out very well as a whole over the last decade in terms of winning two draft lotteries and in situations where there was a lot of excitement and hype over those. So maybe my philosophy of having no philosophy has, has, has been working so far. And I guess I'm going to stick with that. To quote Michael Scott from the office. I know you haven't watched it, but I'm not superstitious. I'm just a little stitious. And so maybe <laughs> that will be the case for Jim Eichenhofer tonight. Um, after this podcast, we'll take another bit of a break and uh, we'll be back in mid July as we'll begin our NBA draft previews for the Pelicans as if they are number 10, we'll go one through nine. And heck, even if we get jumped to number four, we'll probably go through the top 10. But be on the lookout for those podcasts in mid-July. And then we'll we'll be hitting the ground running between the NBA draft and then free agency, summer league, then schedule comes out. Come mid-end July, the Pelicans are rock and rolling. That'll certainly be a good sign here. But enjoy the offseason. Jim, I appreciate it. Hopefully we're discussing a number one pick or a number a top four pick soon. Um, but uh, thanks for the time, and we'll be sure to look out for your work tonight as well. You got it. I'm going to be pouring over this chart with all of the lottery odds and getting ready for what's to come tonight. Hopefully it'll be another occasion for people around the city and the region to be very excited and happy. Glenn Cash will be representing the Pelicans tonight uh, as far as who will be there. Um, and we could hear from Swin Cash that the Pelicans move up into the top four. For Jim Eikenhofer, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the special lottery edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. Have a great rest of your week.